Hey everybody, it's Adam Chartot, the the one, the only host of Film Wax. It is Friday, May 5th, 2023, and this is episode number 762 of the podcast. And I'm sitting here with my dear friends and producers of Film Wax. I, I, let's just say it, you guys are. Welcome. I can no longer do the show without you guys. <laughs> Uh, and we're at the studios here in uh, Rhinecliff at Radio Free Rhinecliff. Uh, Matt, Maddie Rosenberg and Jen Hamoud joining me once again to introduce this today's, this week's episode of the show. Thank you, guys. We're excited. Uh, I can tell. As always. I can tell. I'm, a real fan. <laughs> I'm always excited because when I get this, Fridays now, I associate with seeing your bright, sunny, shiny, sunshiny faces. And, uh, and speaking of which, Finally, it looks like we're going to get a few days of really nice, actual sunshiny sun. weather here. Yeah. Vitamin D is very, very needed today. It's needed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, here's the thing. Not to dwell on the weather because it's a little bit, I don't know, mundane or what have you. But all that rain is good because it just means a really green summer. I mean, it should mean that. So I, I don't mind it, especially if it's during the week. Mm. Kind of feel like oh, that's okay, and then we get a whole weekend of sunshine. It's so nice, and it's up here. It's just spectacular driving around. Absolutely, I love it. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and and let's catch me up. How's 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 your week? The week was good. Mm -hmm. You know, it was really busy. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think anything particular was happening mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the Rhinecliff Rhinebeck area, but I can tell right. you, the Epicurean was. Hopping. Really? Ridiculously busy this week. Oh, what do you uh, owe, owe that to? I don't know. I mean, usually uh, the rain. The week? Yeah, the rain usually keeps people away, and it was a mm -hmm. Wednesday, and I mean, pack, 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 lines out the door. Really? So, yeah, so people are coming up, coming back up, I think, starting to visit, and uh, again. Yeah. Well, people, yeah, early. those listening should know. I mean, there's no other real shopping in no. oh, Rhinecliff, for instance. Yeah, this and Rhinebeck, is like a lots destination of, now. It is. Yeah. yeah. Well, they want to come see you doing your show, probably. Oh, that would be nice if, if people just sort of stood Lining outside. Up. It was like, like the early days of uh, the Today Show or something. You yeah. Know, oh, where they, yeah. Kind of like not that. the early days of the Today Show, but the early days when the Today Show started uh, broadcasting the show from the, uh, you know, Ground Rocket floor in the window, and they opened that. What a, what a, if you think about how strange and, um, in a way, radical that felt at the time of like, what are they doing there? <laughs> Anybody could do anything outside in, in the window, and people, you know, hmm. and they did, I suppose. Anyway, it would be nice to, uh, to, if, if Rhinecliff, to get, to, to meet more people from Rhinecliff and to engage with people. We should do uh, a uh, some sort of community. I mean, I know you do you know, the occasional fundraiser, and you'd have this and that. But we should do something with the Radio Free Rankliffe. Like that's what I'm thinking. Uh, maybe you have something in mind already. You're nodding. Uh, I mean, you mean like a live broadcast where we bring people into chat? Or well, that's not, I hadn't thought of that, but that's one thing. Just like some way to engage with the community, like into you know introduce we, Radio Free Rankliffe. We we do that. Okay. 
I guess I'm not, not invited to those. Jen? Uh, no, we, we, will, we, we did have a fundraiser. We are right. going to have um, a concert uh, in September, uh-huh. September 8th. So, uh, What's that about? Well, there'll be there's a show home from here with John Burton. That's right. He has on all these local fantastic uh, artists, uh-huh. and uh, uh, I don't know how many will be coming on. And there'll be a concert here at the Morton Library. Oh, right, right, right. So we'll let people know about that as we get closer. All right. And we have a random uh, Our craft cocktails, cocktails yes. event. Well, I'd love to come to one of those one one day. An invitation will come in the mail, and I'll. Just you kidding. weren't part of the community until recently. So That's, now no, it's you're, very true. You're on our, our, you're in our queue. All right, thank you for that. And uh, so, I appreciate it. I, I'm, I, it doesn't take much to make me feel, <laughs> you know, just like like an orphan. Um, okay, so this 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 is a big deal. This guest today. This is uh, you know everybody's very excited uh, that I was able to to uh, nab. Kamau, uh, but I'm not, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm really always happy to have somebody like this come on, but I, you know, there's been some good guests over the years like this, but this, this really was a special, what was nice, especially about having Kamau on is that I knew we had this thing in common where we both have, we're children from mixed race, right? Mixed relationship. So that was one way in. So, uh, I don't know if you, the, I've also posted the video conversation of this conversation on the FilmWax YouTube channel. Good. Uh, so people can actually also watch it if they choose not to at this point. Uh, but, but you know, uh, so that was it. But just also, he's a warm guy. He's a nice guy, it turns out. So it was all great. Now, the name of the documentary he made is called A Thousand Percent Me, Growing Up Mixed. And it's it's currently, as I re- we recorded this, uh, uh on HBO. Oh, good. And it's also on HBO Max. So you can watch A Thousand Percent Me Growing Up Mixed. And here's the marketing language <laughs> that I, I'm get, getting from HBO's website. It says, with humor and sensitivity, filmmaker and comedian W. Kamau Bell tackles the joys and challenges of growing up mixed race through conversations with kids and families in the San Francisco Bay Area, including his own. They're ridiculously beautiful kids, by the way. I'm... I, I just hate them all. It's just ridiculous <laughs> how beautiful these this family is. Recognizing that his children, born to a black father and a white mother, and growing up in a country still divide, uh, deeply divided by race, would have a very different experience in America than he and his wife did, embarks on a journey of discovery in his family's Bay Area community. Um, so that's what this is, conversation is about the documentary, but it's about kids and... Um, you know, because they're all most of the kids that are on this in this documentary, if not all of them, haven't been uh, impressed yet by self-consciousness, mm-hmm. by pressures of, of that young people start to, you know, uh, you know, deal with as growing up where, you, you know, when they're kids, they'll say anything that's on their mind unfiltered. But then over time, we become more and more, you know. Mm-hmm. So I understand he filmed all of these children in the Bay Area. Yes. So some it's like a family show. This is like his friends. I think there is these are all connected people, like friends of his who have kids or other families. And also, I imagine you know you just from a degree or two, you just oh, there's this great family. They have an Asian mom and you know uh, uh, maybe a white dad or something. You know, so all the most almost everybody in here is somehow directly tied to 
uh, the, the story, you know, and this idea um, of a mixed race family. So it's a, it's, it's a, yeah. So uh, anyway, it's just great to get this guy on. So that's, that's the deal. It's not a very long episode. So, but it's a good talk if I can say so myself. So here it is. This is my conversation with W. Kamau Bell here on Film Wax. Had anyone ask me, what are you or like what's your skin tone? If someone did ask me, I would probably say I'm mixed. I'm half Pakistani and I'm half African American. I'm Asian and American. Filipino American. Black and white and both. Half black and half Japanese. A thousand percent a person. Do people ever confuse what your race is? I get everything but what I am, pretty much. Every single day. Just because we live in a diverse community does not mean that racism and all that doesn't happen. A high percentage of interracial couples have no idea what the experience is for this child that they brought into the world. I would go to the park with Kanani all the time, and the kids gotten a little something. And the mother said to me, well, Pika, you know, it's because Kanani doesn't speak English. I had no idea that kids were given a lesson about race so young. Uh, what does W stand for? I have a, uh, and, and, and I'm curious to know why it's before what you, uh, what we assume is your first name. Um, so my, it's W stands for Walter. Uh, okay. Which I, uh, Wikipedia has figured out, which means sometimes I get emails from people saying, Walter Kamal Bell, which I'm like, you're not really a fan of mine. Um, But yeah, so it's my dad's first name is Walter. We have different middle names. So I always went by Kamal as a kid. It's a better name than his middle name, which is Alfred. Uh, So I was been Kamal. Yeah, yeah. So I've been Kamal my whole life, most of my life. There's times in high school I moved around a lot. I was like, ah, call me Walter. I won't be here long. But, uh, and but as a kid, I was a I just for some I always knew I wanted to be in show business and actor and Kamau Bell didn't sound like enough of a name to me for some reason. So as a little kid, I was like, I'll be W Kamau Bell. And it just sounded like I remember there's a comedian on SNL at the time called A. Whitney Brown. And I was oh, like, sure. I'm W Kamau Bell. And so I, this is to honor the kid in me who wanted to be in show business. And there and F. Scott Fitzgerald. Uh, so you're, yeah. you know. But there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good initial. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. I have one more to add to it. R. Adam Shartoff, my name. I have oh, yes, first, yes, yes. I have yes. a first initial. I, you know, most people don't know it because I could just go by Adam. I'm like, I just don't use it typically because then it leads to, except for it's on like legal documents. Yeah. And um, but uh, that, however, does not have a name. So it's like from a Jewish thing where they instead of giving me the name of my this dead relative. Mm. is they gave me the initial of their name. I don't know why, but except for that, it was the early 60s that perhaps my parents were stoned at the time. Giving <laughs> them the benefit of the doubt, you know. But but W, it's nice to meet you from R. And, uh, yes. and I'm excited. The other thing we have in common, which is more germane to this this uh, uh, meeting, actually, in this interview, is is this, which... Uh, oh, there you go! Oh, look at you! <laughs> this, is, up, this, you this is my son Jacob, who Jake he goes by, who is also a mixed race child. So when 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 this came up, first of all, I've you know I've been following you forever, and I wanted to you know talk. I mean, the, any opportunity to to meet would have been and talk would have been fantastic. But this one in particular just seemed like really uh, exactly right. Yeah. 
Well, thank you. I, no, I'm really excited about this getting out to, you know, sometimes you say, who's the audience? Well, whoever wants to see it. But I really know with this one that there is like, there are mixed, there are interracial couples who have mixed race kids, interracial couples who are thinking about having mixed race kids, uh, mixed race kids themselves. It's just there. And there's not a lot out in the world that it, that talks about this experience in the way that we talk about it in the in the film. Yeah, I mean, since you brought it up, I kind of feel like the audience is people that don't have mixed race children. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it kind of, a, it sort of unpeels, you know, it just, it just sort of takes some of the mystery out of it. It's really just great. My question to you is, it's sort of the flaw of your documentary, which is called A Thousand Percent Me, Growing Up Mixed. The flaw is, you should have had academics and, and experts talking, <laughs> not kids. What's I know, right. You know, <laughs> what are kids what know? What were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> this is my soft reboot of kids say the darndest things is what it was just, you know i was gonna bring that up but then i thought yeah maybe not. Let, best to let it go uh you brought it up so now it's right, now it's fair game yeah. yeah uh you know I, I the thing i was very clear about if i was going to make this was one me and my wife with our children have a great time we are we also have times that are struggles but we also have a great time our kids are smart they are funny they can speak, they they can speak to their problems and their issues at their level. And so the last thing I was going to do is make that boring, you know? Like right. I didn't want to make their experience seem didactic or uh or have other have adults sort of speak to what their experience was, unless like we did in the film with this uh mixed race elder Roy, he was gonna to speak to it in a way that that was relevant to them, not not talking around them. So for me, it was like, it was really, it, the whole doc was built on, we first started with interviews of kids, my two kids and a bunch of other little kids, and then built out from there. And so I think by starting that way, it just was always going to be propelled by their sort of like wit and imagination. Yeah. And possibly even less filtered, right? Yeah. Less filtered, less something like if we're, we're we edit a lot as adults. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now yeah. more than ever, right? Yeah. You, you're a stand. You had many years of stand up, so you know better than anybody. And kids, sort of, there. Maybe there's already by your your oldest daughter. Maybe she's already starting that because it's taught so young, you know. But but you know they're going to be the most honest, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, or yeah. Well, we talked about that and putting the and sort of figure out what kids we what age group of kids we talk to. And I really felt like that 9, 10, 11 age was actually really the perfect age. Although we did have a young girl in there named Sumaya, who's seven, who's incredible. Yeah. Uh, but I felt like that age is the age of like, they're able to articulate, but they haven't, but they ha- they're able to articulate, but they haven't started to, to too heavily edit themselves in the way that by the time you get to high school, you're thinking about your image, you're thinking about what your friends are thinking, you're thinking about so consciousness. Yeah. And so there's, there's not as much, there's, there's, like now, my, uh, my daughter is a year older now, and she's already a lot more self-conscious than she was when she sat down for this film, because now she's in middle school. So, you know, so I right. think like, it really is a good age to sort of get like sort of the 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 height of the like the, the, the Venn diagram of like they're still a kid, but they're also starting to have bigger thoughts. You grew up uh, when you were approximately somewhere in the mix of your daughter's ages. You have three daughters. They're all I think they're all in the film. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, the, the littlest one didn't have much to say because she was three at the time. And, <laughs> yeah, and she's also like a, a raised, the kid who's mostly been raised during the pandemic, so she's feral. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
do you recall from back were you in boston or where were you uh, where were you when you were like you know preaching so like, when i was i moved to boston when i was four so i would yeah so yeah from my daughter's age i was in boston from that age of like four to 11 where my kids are yeah was there any uh did you have any back then in your when you were young at that age did you have any awareness of mixed race? Was there that around you? Is it something that you recall or can tap into at all? I mean, it's funny. Back then, it, we it, the term we that was commonly was biracial. Was like there was like you know. So that was I didn't really hear the word mixed race until I got to the Bay Area or mixed. Okay. They've now they many people dropped off the word race. So biracial was the term I heard. But and so I knew it was a thing. But and here's the thing that if, I might have known biracial kids without knowing it because. I don't think there was, there was certainly not as much talk about it. There wasn't as much community around being biracial. If you were, you know, if you were darker than the paper black, paper bag, you were black. You know what I mean? So there was not the sense of like talking about that identity as separate from black because in the history of this country with the one drop rule, you were just black. So I certainly knew that biracial people existed, but it was not a, they were not a part of my community as I understood it. Mm. Right. I mean, it's funny. There are other names, but even preceding, Biracial, yeah, we can go right? to the history of like, I mean, we talk well, about the go film. into in the film a little bit with that older uh, mixed race gentleman, yeah. right? Because he was trying to. He uh, couldn't remember. Yeah, he couldn't remember Octoroon. He said Rotagon or <laughs> yeah. like, which I thought Rotagon. I don't know if that's a real thing, but I like that. But, it yeah. should be. Yeah, but I no, it was that's where I like all, you know, the way that I do these things is these are conversations that are being filmed. So I really like those moments where it's like, it's clear that me, that me and the person are just having a conversation. It's not about me sort of like setting them up or waiting, you know, we're having a, an active conversation. Yeah. Well, we're talking with uh, W about a thousand percent me growing up mixed, which is the name of the documentary. It's going to stream on the discovery plus platform. I, I think I can say this may, because I'll post this, once it's already streaming. Sure. So that way people can come from watch this and then go right into watching the documentary, which I already think is, like I say, for everybody, uh, you obviously don't have to have a mixed race. Although, like, I, I don't know if you're in a major city or anywhere within the orbit of a major city, I'm going to even say just anywhere in the United States, there is somebody mixed race in your family, isn't there? I mean, I mean, it's just, it, I mean, it's sort of interesting. It's like, there's definitely, there are mixed race people all over the country. We did an episode of United States of America in Appalachia last year. And there was a lot of mixed race kids in Appalachia now. And yeah, Appalachia is sure. black and white because that's the racial makeup predominantly of Appalachia. But there are mixed race people everywhere. It's just the difference is the size and nature of the community is different. Like, so, um, you know, I, I've talked to people where they're like, like I talked to David Siv, who did the film Bad Axe, and he's a mixed race kid who grew up in, in uh, Bad Axe, Michigan, and it's a small town. And he realized, he's like, he's like, watching your film, I realized one of my best friends, I've never, we've never, who is also, he who's, has white, who's adopted by white parents and is very light-skinned and black and could be mixed but doesn't know because he's adopted. He's like, I realized we never talked about that. We never talked about what his experience was racially being that being a person with white parents who, who might be mixed. And he's like, that's one of my best friends. So I think the, the issue is that it's not so much that like these people are everywhere. They are everywhere, but they're, but their specific identities aren't being addressed in a way that they feel they can open up about often. Uh, yeah. it's a good point. It's right? one of the benefits of living in the Bay area is that we're not shy to talk about anything. So like, and there's, and it is, you know, it's one of the capitals of mixed race people in this country. 
Yeah, I before I, I moved up to the Hudson Valley, where frankly, there's not a lot of mixed race up here. There just isn't. There's not a lot of people that aren't white. In fact, yeah. <laughs> although I shouldn't say that because there we do have a few cities up here, but but uh, it's a striking change. Uh, but back in Fort Greene, mm-hmm. yes, that's another mixed race capital. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, but uh, well, I mean, I just wonder why. And this goes to a larger question, maybe that your documentary doesn't even tap into, which is the I, I, which is why there's such a such a racism problem in this country. But it's more historically entrenched and just institutionally entrenched. I understand. Think about your documentaries. You're talking to just folks, yeah, and individual experiences, which is. I a mean, very- a lot of my work is like it's with the United States of America, with with we need to talk about Cosby, with like yeah. a lot of the podcasting work I've done is about the structures and the systems and about the and about the history and about like these sort of like I try to take these heady subjects and make them more user friendly. And so yeah for me it's like with this it was like I don't want to do it the same way. Like I don't want to make I don't want this to feel like an, an I I really didn't want it to feel like an episode of United Shades of America because there's a way in which that show is done that there's a there's a sort of a format and I was like the last thing I want is for this to feel like I went and made an episode of United Shades of America for HBO so so because I because the way that United Shades of America works it's based on the trauma first and then everything else is built around that and for me it was like we're gonna get we got to trauma in this but we're not gonna start there and so for me it was really about like proving with these kids we talked to that as much as we make a big deal out of racism in the school, no, as much as we make a too big of a deal out of kids' ability to handle discussions about racism, it is overblown, not true, and unnecessary. Kids can handle these discussions. Are, uh, yeah, and are, I mean, are they, uh, do they understand the, the, the full context, or are they just more coming from, or, or, or are they just speaking from a very personal spot, you know, a place, like, uh, or do they understand the political significance? I mean, you, I I would say my kids do. <laughs> yeah, well, clearly. Yeah, then, no, I would say, and the thing is, with this, with the film, I wanted to meet every kid where they were. So, like with Sumaya, if she wanted to talk about mangoes, we're talking to talk about mangoes. You know what I mean? Okay. Like it was really, it was really important for me to go to sort of say like, where, where, where do you want to take? When I asked Sumaya, this is a great example of this. Who's a seven-year-old who's half Pakistani and half, uh, half uh, uh, black that's from uh Konakri in Africa and and I said what are what what are your mixes that was the question I asked every kid we made sure every kid was comfortable talking about that mm-hmm. and she named her mom and dad and then she started naming animals <laughs> which is, <laughs> and and for me it was like there's there's probably an edit to this film where we cut out the part where she starts talking about animals because that's silly that's ridiculous but like no, that's the film. That's that's the kid saying this doesn't have me messed up in any way. I consider I, this is a part of my imagination play, just like anything else I'm doing is. So you're editing for other and other with other things in mind, not necessarily like oh somebody misspoke. You know, no, I, I no, I don't, I don't. I'm fine with there's. I'm fine with people fumbling for words. I'm fine with people. Like I don't hear the thing. The thing that would, would generally I would say, but especially with this, 
you know, people aren't used to talking on cameras. So sometimes people will go down a dog leg and then realize they got into a dead end. <laughs> so like, and you're like, yeah. let me help you get out of that. You know, <laughs> that's uh, your job as an interviewer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let me, let me, like, there's no reason for me to, or like with the kids, of course, I, we only talk to them for like 45 minutes at a time because we didn't want their attention to, we didn't want them to feel like it was yeah. testifying. Sure. And so, you know, but sometimes with some of those kids are 45 minutes, you could tell they were like, they were sort of done early and you're like, all right, we're done. So, you know, you're just sort of trying to like, get to the heart of the good conversation. And to be quite honest, we, it, it could have been, it could have been three times as long. Like it, we didn't, there wasn't a lot of, and we had other kids we talked to who were great, but just for what we were doing. And also I really was committed to making it 60 minutes. Cause I wanted to be something that kids ultimately can watch with their families. And so you don't want to make it like the, you know, the, the four hour edit cause the kids aren't right. going to watch it. So it was really important to make it 60 minutes. Cause it's like, we're in and we're out. And the important thing to me about this film is the conversations that build afterwards, not the, you know, that's, it's an open, it's an invitation to continue to talk about these things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this definitely would, right. We'll have to have some sort of educational or, or uh, um, institutional distribution for this would be great because if you get in front of uh, classrooms, then you, you will have great, amazing conversations, especially with all the CRT bullshit that's going on. And um, it's, it's that, I think a, a film like this documentary like this is probably really great. If you know anybody at Apple, I want to see if we can just put it on people's uh, iPhones the way they did with that U2 album. <laughs> yeah, that went over well. Yeah. <laughs> well, just, but just for people in Florida, they just sort of open their iPhones. Sure. There's a documentary about mixed race kids here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I just want to end with uh, a, a an anecdote, which, you know, uh, uh, and, and then, you know, definitely respond in if you have something to say. But like I started, I remember when, when Jacob, Jake was a young young guy, very young. He, you know, he had very fair skin and he was even probably less ethnic looking. Now everybody thinks he's Puerto, Puerto Rican. He gets that a lot. I was surprised. But he, he, uh, he, you know, just, just sort of self-identified as white mm-hmm. more, you know, like if you were to ask him when he was, you know, yeah, he was very young then, but it was painful, you know, not just for his, his black mom, mm-hmm. but for me too, like, cause mm-hmm. I'd, I, you know, I don't want him to, I don't, you know, I want him to be proud of every bit of him. Mm-hmm. And so I think to dispel any kind of myth like that, it's not painful for everybody. Well, it worked, you know. How old is he? How old is Jake now? He's turning 19 in, uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh, good. good. Yeah. Congratulations. You made it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a miracle. He's, and he turned out awesome. I have to say it's really and I, I would say this, like, there's a part of me with my kids. Well, first of all, my mom did this for me. So I was black. I'm black. I'm, I was and I still am. And but my mom was very actively sort of like, like putting black culture in my face, you know. Yeah. So it wasn't just that I was black because nobody's going to go, come out. Are you I'm not sure what race you are. <laughs> like, it is like, yeah. I, you know. But she was also actively like we celebrated Kwanzaa way before it was cool. Like, it's oh. not cool now, but we did it then. She would take me to see like to like I, I went, we went to see Alice Walker speak at one point, and I was like, "This is boring." She's like, "I don't care." <laughs> like, yeah, so, you're gonna you appreciate know. it one day. Yeah. yeah. See always, now you can say it, and you're yeah. so grateful to your mother. Oh yeah, a thousand percent. So I think there's things that my mom did because she's like, "It's not enough to just be black; you got to know it." And so with my kids, I think it's active parenting is a part of my parenting with my kids around their blackness. Like in the film. I asked my Sammy, what's the song your dad plays for you in the morning sometimes? It's Young, Gifted, and Black by Nina Simone. Yeah, you right. Know? 
And it's just this way to go, this is just who you are. You're in this, whatever, whatever the world tells you, this is who you are. And even Juno, who is much lighter than Sammy, who is who much like Jake, I don't know what she's going to end up looking like, but she's somebody who could pa- potentially pass for white if she if she's given that up, if she's in that space or white people might assume she's white. I don't want her to th- think that black is just about what you're on the inside. Right. It's about who your parents are and also and also the culture that you relate to the most. And so that's I feel like I'm, I'm very actively giving my kids vitamin B12 shots of blackness. <laughs> you mentioned your mother being such a what about Walter Alfred? Bell, did he? <laughs> no, my dad is, my dad, I said my, my mom was a, a outside agitator. My dad was an inside agitator. So he was the guy in corporate America who always was like bringing, oh, keeping the door open for other, for black people to get through the door of corporate America. So that's the, I sort of, I think the fact that I am who I am, but I like, I'm sort of this, I work at these major corporations in show business, but I'm doing all this stuff that nobody else is doing inside of those things. It's like, it's, I'm the combination of my parents. So I think that yeah. is, is how it worked out. Well, again, the name of the documentary, and it will be on Discovery Plus in May, is A Thousand Percent Me Growing Up Mixed. Thank you. It's great to meet you. Thank you so much for making time for this. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a good conversation. And tell Jake I said hello. (laughs) I will. Thank you for that. Yeah. I'm really proud of the current and future generation of mixed kids that are being loud and proud. Our kids have been instruments of healing. Is there anything you think us non-mixed race people need to know about mixed race people? It's not being less of one culture. It's having the opportunity to have a deeper connection to more cultures. If I ask you, what ingredients to mix you up? Black, Asian, and love. And a llama and a corgi. See? I mean, that wasn't that great. Wasn't that nice? I mean, you know, he's a nice guy. I hope he can come back on sometime. I think he had a good time. Good. It seemed like he did. We want him to come back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a, so anyway, um, I, I, I have a couple of things lined up for future episodes, but uh, one is, um, we ha- we're going to have the host of a fantastic, uh, podcast. Uh, come on. I've been talking to this guy, uh, Aunt Jason Cleo, his name is, he's down in the sure. city. I know Jason. I know who he is, yes. Oh, you do? I don't know He's him in the media world. Jason Cleo, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he has a podcast called the uh, Full Cast and Crew Podcast. And but here's the thing about him. He's got this incredible, he'll do like, they'll take apart a whole film and or like some other pop culture type of thing, like an album or a TV series or something. And, but he can also, he does most of his episodes by himself and he just go, does like a, a, a podcast essay, you know, but the guy is amazing at it. He just is so good at it. The current episode that I was just listening to is about Warren Zevon and David Letterman and their friendship and the, mm-hmm. the, their paths and how they intersected and, and the tra- tra- trajectory of that. And, uh, he, he's just so good at it. I'm like marveling and I'm like, I talked to, I was corresponding with him about a year ago and then I just let it go and I didn't follow up. And now I just decided let, let's move on this because he's such a, I, I want to find out all about how he does it, what he does. And, uh, and then also, uh, hopefully shortly Kelly from the Berkshires international film festival hmm. has agreed to come on. So that's going to happen. Okay. And then I have a great episode with a friend of mine who is a very talented filmmaker and an author named, uh, who was one of my closest friends in the world, 
no, his name is <laughs> Nick Ebling, and he's coming on. That's already uh, you know in the can, essentially. But he's out in L.A., and we uh, had a great conversation. So all this and more coming up on the podcast. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, thank you, guys. I had a great time with, with, uh, with Norm. Oh, yeah. That was a show to remember. <laughs> Why are you saying that like that? What were you thinking? Oh, no, you, you brought yeah, your guitar. You I know. You do yeah. that more often. I know. I think so. You should play in the show. Perhaps. Yeah. You get this theme. You do your own. I know. Maybe you're right. I should just. Old folksy. It'll be good. All right. I'll, I'll take that under, under consideration for sure. Uh, yeah. No, it's in the car. And as a matter of fact, I was like, oh my God, I didn't realize how hot the car was when I got into it. I'm like, how is this possible? It was just freezing a few days ago. But so, yeah. So it's, it's with me again on okay. Fridays. So I, I already have it. It's true. All right. Well, thank you guys. And I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and enjoy all this good weather and all your great activities and families and friends. And uh, thank you for helping out with another episode of the show. I really appreciate you guys. Terrific. Matt Rosenberg and Jan Hamoud. Thank you very much. And thanks to my guest, W. Kamal Bell, today. This is Adam Shartoff, your host of Film Wax. Have a great Take care of yourself and the ones you love. And have a great. <laughs> Whatever that means. Goodbye. <laughs>